In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Good morning. It's so good to see all of you this morning and to have you worship along our side. Today we have a very interesting encounter. This gospel reading actually happens twice every year, and all priests have a challenge on what to preach about the pigs and the demoniacs and the evil spirits and the demons, and I am one of them. So I will have a trick for you today to really talk about this gospel reading. The encounter between Christ and the two demoniacs is very interesting in itself and the exchange that happen, happens between them. Uh, in the end, we know the story ends with them being healed, the demons coming out of them, and then destroying the herd of the pigs uh, at the end. And it's very clear from that that Christ came around and he had the authority over the demons, over the dark powers, and he was able to cast them out. But notice one very interesting thing uh, that I want to highlight about that exchange. The demons were very clear about who Jesus was. They told him very clearly, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? Even the demons know that Jesus was the Son of God. They knew who he was and that he had authority over them. And so they begged him to go and be in the uh, herd of swine. So, how does that apply to us? It's not enough to know that Jesus is the Son of God. The piece of information even the demons know. There's something much more important and much deeper that is needed from us if we were to accept Christ as the Lord and God. Because otherwise we'll be like the demons. We accept Him, but nothing changes in our lives. So, when we know that Jesus is the Son of God, it is about a transformation that's happening in our lives, internally and externally. Otherwise, we will be like the demons who know who he is, but that's it. They stop there. On the other hand, the exchange that happens at the very end, when the entire city knew of what had happened to the swine, they came out and begged Jesus to not come into their neighborhood. They asked him, they begged him to leave their neighborhood and not come into their city. Imagine yourself having someone as a guest. Not only that you say to them you're not welcome at the door, but you go all the way to the end of the street and receive them there and beg them to go away. I mean, how hospitable is that? But this is exactly how these guys did it. They went out to where Jesus was in the middle of the wilderness. He was not in their city yet. And they begged him to go away. This is how uncomfortable they were with Christ being in their life or in their neighborhood. Seemingly, they were hiding something. Some people think that these were Jews and they were growing uh, pigs. And this was not lawful for the Jews to have pigs and to eat them. So this was their secret kind of business that they're having. And so they did not want Jesus not only to know about the pigs, but like probably there were so many other things hiding in their midst. If Christ was to come, they will feel condemned and shameful for all that they have done. Sometimes we do similar to these people. 
We know Jesus, we know what he taught. He left us with values and teachings and practices through the church, and we still don't feel comfortable with following in his commandments. We don't feel comfortable, so we found excuses to ourselves. We sometimes pick and choose. And those that we don't like to apply, we say, oh, these are outdated practices. We don't do them anymore. These values do not apply to our modern time. So we just cast them out. We think that what Christ was teaching 2,000 years does not apply to us, so we just throw it away, throw it out of the window. Let me give you an example that is very relatable. Imagine you're pulling out of your garage and you saw that there was a screw that fell out of your car. You know that the screw is coming out of your car. And since the car is still running, you think, get to the screw, you see it, oh, it's only a screw. Throw it away. Ah, the car is still running. If you ask an expert or someone who knows about cars, like, you are risking your life by throwing away the screw and probably because of ignorance, you don't know where the screw is, and soon enough you'll discover that this is going to cost you probably the car, but also your life. So just because I don't know how important it is, because I don't want to bother knowing where these values are coming from and what their goal is, are, what their goal is in my life, doesn't mean that I can pick and choose as I wish, thinking that these are outdated practices. This also highlights some misunderstanding about Christ. And we hear this so much around us. Because we are all sinful, we are all broken, and sometimes we are lazy, we, want, we don't want to change. So we say, Christ is going to accept me no matter what. Right? We hear that. True. This is true. This is half the story. True that Christ will accept me as I am because in the, when he was on earth, he was going around sitting with tax collectors and sinners and eating with them, loving them, showing them compassion and love and mercy. That's true. But on the other side, since this is only half the story, we try to forget how transformative that encounter was to those sinners who were in his presence. So we forget about the other part of the story, Zacchaeus, how he transformed, the Samaritan woman, how she transformed and went and became the one who preached to her people, and the woman that was caught in adultery. He told her, go away and sin no more. So yes, Christ is not going to force me to change, but I'm expected to change. His presence in my life means that I will change. If I'm not changing, then I'm spiritually lazy. His unconditional love means that I am willing to accept my brokenness and know that someone still loves me no matter what, and then I am ready to change, to transform, to look like Him. In the end, the main message of Christ was repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. He is there showing his love. The next step is for me to repent and come back and change. 
This is another thing that I've talked about a couple times, but always comes back about confession. But let me start with the root of confession, which is repentance. The same one sentence that Christ said very clearly, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is repentance? Repentance is to change my mind, to recognize that God is acting in my life, and to turn back to Him. We have so many distractions in our lives, so many temptations. Everything that's happening around us is taking our sight away from God. And so in repentance, which is something that happens every day, supposedly, means that I'm turning my sight again to God to find Him in my life. So I am coming back to God every day. Now, the sacrament of confession is mainly to confirm that you are on the right path. That's it. You come to the community in the person of the priest to tell him that these are my temptations and distractions. I'm trying to come back this way. Do you have any advice for me? That's it. It's not about putting anyone to shame because the priest himself is broken as much as you are. In a way, this is about accountability to the community in the person of the priest, but also to confirm that I am on the right path. Some people ask, what do I talk about in confession? That's the main thing. I don't know what to do. Oh, you don't have to have glamorous sins before you come to confession. I'm glad that no one is criminal here to really need confession out of their crimes. Our sins are mundane and boring. We do all kinds of crazy stuff, but these small things take away our sight away from God. So we don't need to be criminals before we come to confession. Because if you are a criminal, you are in the jail, you're not here, right? So I'm admitting all the things in confession that will keep me, that are keeping me away from God. And confirming that I am on the right path. Coming to confession is like going to your primary care physician. You don't need to be sick to go to your primary care because you go there to confirm that my health is fine. What I'm not seeing, I am okay. We'll do tests and examine you so that to confirm that everything is okay. If you go to your primary care for the first time when having advanced cancer, it's too late. So you don't need to commit a crime before you come to church for confession. You don't need to do something glamorous in terms of sin before you come to confession. The point that I want to emphasize, the church is a hospital. It's been a hospital for 2,000 years. It's not about shaming anyone. It's not about condemning anyone. It's about bringing us all to Christ through healing our broken humanity. Very simple and straightforward. And if that hospital has some tools to use for our health, then let's use them. Repentance and confession is one of them. Communion and being with others is one of them. And let us not be like the demoniacs who recognize who Christ is, but are not willing to transform. Because that's the only way for us to really be loyal followers of Christ for the rest of our lives. Amen.